Welcome to the Ovary It Podcast, where we talk about women's hormonal health and overall wellness. If you ever wanted to learn more about what's going on inside our bodies, you're in the right place. My name is Mary Cusick, and I am your host and CEO of Ovary It. Ovariate is an affordable and comprehensive women's telehealth platform. Through the use of vetted science and proprietary technology, our network of physicians work with patients to create a personalized plan that fits their hormonal and non-hormonal contraceptive needs. Welcome to this week's edition to the Ovariate Podcast. We're back talking with Dr. Heather Smith, who's an obstetrician gynecologist at Women and Infants Hospital of Rhode Island. Last time Dr. Smith was on, we reviewed all things vaginal health. This week, we're talking preventative screenings and what really happens at an OBGYN or OB-GYN appointment. As a disclaimer, at Overyet, of course, we're happy to be your concierge contraceptive service, but Overyet is not a replacement for your screening appointments. These screenings can literally be life-saving. We're happy to work with your existing OB-GYN, and depending on your location, we might be able to help you find a new provider. Okay, so now that that housekeeping is in order, let's kick this off. Welcome back, Dr. Smith. Hi, Mary. Thanks for having me back. It's a pleasure to be here and happy to share some inside secrets with all the Overeat fans. I love learning from you. So let's get this knowledge party started. Um, so to kick things off, what are these health screening recommendations? And as an OGYN, what's your goal with your patients on completing these types of appointments? Yes. So keeping healthy is super important, but it's not always so easy. One way to stay healthy is to either prevent illness or to find it as soon as possible. So your doctor, someone like me, does that by screening or looking for illnesses, even if you don't have any symptoms. So my goal as an OBGYN physician is not only to help treat sickness, but also support my patients in maintaining a healthy lifestyle and minimizing health risks. Uh, This is important at all aspects of a person's life, in adolescence, during reproductive years, and for peri- and postmenopausal women as well. OBGYNs should offer and recommend clinical preventive services to all patients based on their age and risk factors. Fantastic. So what kind of health questions will my doctor ask me? And what if I am uncomfortable in answering any of them? Is that even a thing? Your doctor or another health provider will likely ask you questions about your current health, your reproductive goals, your own personal health history, and your family health history. These will help you and your doctor both 
identify possible illnesses that you might be more at risk for. These questions can be very personal and it can be sometimes uncomfortable to answer them because they can make you feel vulnerable. It's important to be able to share this information though. And it's important to be able to trust your physician or your other healthcare providers and the conversations that you have with them. Some examples of these questions can include, do you have anything going on right now that is different than usual or bothering you? Have you had a significant illness before? Were you hospitalized for it and does it still affect you? Tell me more about any concerns about anxiety or depression. What medications have you been prescribed or take from over the counter? Are you able to take them as you are instructed? If not, why? Do you still get your period? If so, how frequently, how frequently does it come and how long does it last? If not, when was your last one? What are your day-to-day activities like? Do you smoke tobacco? Are you able to eat a balanced diet and access fruit and vegetables? What is your general level of physical activity? What significant illnesses have your family members had? Heart attacks, strokes, diabetes, asthma, cancer? What are your goals for future childbearing? If any of these questions or other ones that you think the doctor might ask you might make you feel uncomfortable or are concerning to you, what you can do is write down the answers ahead of the appointment and then share it with a physician. That way, you're giving them the information they need to keep you healthy without having to feel vulnerable or uncomfortable while sharing it out loud. That's really good to know. All right, so what about tests? What type of tests might my doctor do? Um, Do any of these hurt or are they scary? When you go to your doctor's office for a screening visit, they might recommend some tests to be done based on your age, your reproductive goals, and also risk factors. While these exams and tests usually don't hurt, they can sometimes feel either physically or even sometimes emotionally uncomfortable. It can also be kind of scary waiting for the test results. Talk to your doctor about that. They can definitely help with better understanding the process and what to expect. So some common screening tests that your provider might do include both a vaginal exam to collect samples and blood tests. In terms of what the doctor might do during the office visit, they might check for infections, such as gonorrhea and chlamydia, as well as checking for a pap smear that looks for abnormal cervical cells that can show either precancer or cancer. Gonorrhea and chlamydia can easily be tested through either urine or a vaginal swab. It is really important to check for these on a regular basis because sometimes many who are infected don't even know it. In fact, as many 50% of people with vaginas who have these infections don't have any symptoms at all. If these infections remain untreated, there is a risk of worsening pelvic infection, possible long-term chronic pelvic pain, increased risk of ectopic pregnancy, or even infertility. Pap smears 
are another test that is performed in the office. This is done with a vaginal exam. We used to check for these every year with a swab of the cervix, but now that we better understand how cervical cancer develops and have since changed the recommendations, we now check for cervical cancer using a double screen where we check for both the presence of abnormal cervical cells as well as HPV or the human papillomavirus, which we know is the cause of cervical cancer. This test might be done every year or as far as part as every five years based on age and prior exam results. Another test that we recommend is HIV or the human immunodeficiency virus. And this is tested through a, a blood sample or a swab of your cheek. It is recommended that all people 15 years through 65 years be screened at least once in their lifetime. This should also be done more frequently, as frequent as once a year, if you're at higher risk for possible infection based on sexual or social behaviors. If you are at higher risk for contracting HIV, such as having a sexual partner with known HIV infection, don't forget to ask your provider about HIV pre-exposure prophylaxis or PrEP. It's a daily medication that can significantly decrease the risk of transmission. So what about other tests and imaging? Well, your doctor might recommend other tests based on your age, such as a mammogram, colonoscopy, or bone density test. While these aren't able to be performed in the doctor's office, they are just as important to have been done to help detect cancer or other illnesses and start the right treatments as early as possible. Okay. I know that the stirrups can be intimidating, especially for a lot of younger people. Um, I think once you know you get into your 30s and or after you've had a child, um, that fear kind of goes out the window. But talk pelvic exams to me. Are they necessary? You are so right. Nobody likes the stirrups. I don't think anyone actually likes the pelvic exam either. And are they necessary for screening? No, not necessarily. In fact, a pelvic exam is not required for people who want to just start birth control or generally check for signs of ovarian cancer if you don't have any symptoms or any concerns. But an exam is important and should be done, though, if something feels wrong, such as irregular bleeding, painful sex, or abnormal vaginal discharge. So, based on a complete history and with shared decision-making, the doctor can discuss with you if and when a pelvic exam is needed. And remember, if it hurts or feels uncomfortable, tell the doctor. Sometimes we can change the way that you're positioned, or what instruments to use to make it more bearable. Okay, trigger alert. Um, we're going to get into vaccines. Um, so I know that frustrates a lot of people. I am 110% pro-vaccine if we're just going to get it out there already. Um, I would say most physicians are also really on board. Um, so if 
someone were to follow a physician's orders on getting vaccinated, what ones would you recommend? Mary, pro-vaccine here too, right by your side. So there are a number of vaccines that are recommended to prevent infection or decrease severity of disease if an infection occurs. Additionally, these might be even more important for pregnant people since a mom's immunity not only protects themselves, but also the baby growing inside. So let's start with what recommendations we have for people before they get pregnant. The three most important ones that we want to recommend before you get pregnant are one, MMR, or the measles, mumps, and rubella. This is important because one, if you're pregnant and get the, one of these diseases, measles, mumps, or rubella, this can actually really impact the baby badly. The other issue is that you can't get this vaccine while you're pregnant. And so if you are thinking about getting pregnant, talk to your OBGYN or other doctor to see if you need a repeat dose of this vaccine before getting pregnant to both protect yourself and the baby. This is also similar for varicella or the chickenpox. If you were born after 1980 and didn't have the vaccine or the chickenpox, talk to your doctor about getting checked to see if you need that vaccine. Also, Tdap or tetanus, diphtheria, and pertussis. While this can be provided and administered during pregnancy, this is a really important vaccine to have and something to think about ahead of time. Two other vaccines that I would recommend is HPV or the human papillomavirus. Don't forget to still get your recommended pap smear screening since the vaccine doesn't protect about every type of HPV that can cause cervical cancer. And while this is recommended for ages 9 to 26, the FDA has approved it up to 45 years old. So if you're older than 26 and want to get it, talk to your doctor. See if they can give it to you. The other one I also recommend is influenza. Every season, this influenza shot helps either prevent getting the disease or making the infection less severe. This is especially important if you are or considering getting pregnant in the near future. Fantastic baseline recommendations. I love this super pro vaccine. Um, also keep in mind, based on your age as well as your location, your provider might actually suggest additional vaccines. So keep an open mind and um, just know what's best for your location realistically. I'm also going to do a slight PSA um, on behalf of the Tdap shot right now. If you are about to be a new aunt, uncle, or godparent, best friend, whatever it might be, make sure that your Tdap is up to date or you go and get a up to date Tdap shot prior to that baby being born. No new mom wants to have to deal with a baby with pertussis, especially if it could have been avoided. So make sure that you're being your best self for that brand new baby. And that way you can love on it a little bit more and everybody feels safe about it. All right. So moving on to the next question, my favorite, 
birth control. So is contraceptives a way to stay healthy? What do you think, Dr. Smith? Yes, great point about the Tdap. All baby fans out there, make sure you get that Tdap before you go see that baby or that newborn. It's the best way that you can help keep that kiddo safe. As for contraceptive as a way to stay healthy, absolutely. So your current and future reproductive plans are a priority. Identifying your goals will not only ensure that the right screening tests and treatments are offered, but can also help you stay healthy. Did you know that pregnancies that are spaced apart are found to be healthier for both moms and babies? So pregnancies that are separated more than 12 months apart can help decrease risk for preterm births, low infant birth weight, problems with the placenta, maternal anemia, and even mental health concerns. Additionally, some contraceptions have other positive health impacts beyond preventing conception. Combined hormonal birth control pills not only regulate and shorten the menstrual cycle, but can also decrease the risk of future ovarian and endometrial or uterine cancer. I mean, can't beat all those goals and wins. Love this. You are completely speaking my language. Thank you, Dr. Smith. So last question. Why is someone's family health history so important? How does that impact screening? And how are they supposed to really speak about something like that with their physician, especially on some of those forms that you get? Um, Obviously, they can't list every type of scenario in the entire world. Should someone bring up a family health history component that might not be mentioned on those forms. What do you generally suggest and how do you like to communicate those things to your patients? Your family's history can be really helpful for the doctor. It can help identify risk factors for you and guide your doctor on recommendations for screening tests. Sometimes it can be difficult to bring up especially sensitive topics or even not know if something is important or not. If you're not sure, tell the doc. They can let you know if it's needed. They can ask more questions if they have them. So this is important because a number of diseases can be passed down. Your family history should be used as a risk assessment tool and could be shared and updated regularly with your doctor to ensure the most comprehensive assessment of your personal risk factors. For example, if one or multiple family members have a certain illness, your doctor can order specific tests to look for any signs of early disease. A specific example would be like a colonoscopy. It's usually recommended to start at age 50. But if a close relative has a history of colon cancer, especially as a younger adult, your doctor may want to start even earlier. And again, if you're not sure, or if you've had heard stories in your family about other illnesses, let your doc know. They can tell you if it's important and ask more questions if needed. Thank you so much again. You are such a powerhouse and wealth of knowledge. We love having you on the show, seriously. All right, gang. So 
Today, we really discussed health screening recommendations, how to speak with your doctor and how your doctor should be communicating with you about your family health history. There's a lot more detail in here, so be sure to re-listen to this over and over again. When I say Dr. Smith is a top OB-GYN in the country, I mean she is renowned, so don't take her information lightly. Listen to it. It's super helpful, and I'm always learning. Dr. Smith, thank you again. Please know you are always welcome on this show, and we really, truly appreciate you. Thanks again for tuning in. If you want to learn more, head over to overeat.com, where we have blog posts and education available without ever having to sign up or sign in, or visit us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Overeat. Talk to y'all next time. And remember, if you're over it, we're over it.